Welcome again, Touch Heaven, to Touch Heaven Canfield Church Sunday morning. Those online, welcome you for joining us wherever you are. Uh, we do appreciate hearing from you, and it's awesome, awesome, some of the things that you share with us, the miracles, what God's doing in your life, and how you connect with us. And Laura Lee and I have had a, a wonderful experience a couple times recently where we've gone to a city, and I did not know that someone in that city was connected with us every Sunday and every Tuesday, and they've come to the airport to meet us. And uh, yeah, and, and, and what a blessing that is. And uh, church, you should be happy about that because I have to stay on good behavior. <laughs> and uh, I want to tell you, I know things are shifting in the house because Gene Monterelli moved from the back to here. Gene, <laughs> welcome. My, yeah. It's, everything's changed. It's, bless the Lord Jesus. All things are new. Some of you I haven't seen for a while. God bless you, and I'm so happy to see you. And uh, I missed you. We missed you. Even though we weren't going that long, it was too long for me. And uh, I can tell you something. If you're six foot and over, you don't want to get in a small car and drive it 21 hours. That is... Probably, if there is such a thing as purgatory in a car, that's it, right there. And uh, by the grace of God, I survived and I can still walk, but not without a scowl on my face for about 18 of those hours. I was, wasn't happy about it. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you bless us with your anointing this morning, helping us, Father, to rightly divide in the word of God and the truth and to receive simple truths. And Father, at the same time, to get some deep revelation in the simple things of God that are practical for us to live and to walk with. We thank you for that, Lord. We thank you, Father, for the guidance of your Holy Spirit and the power. And we thank you for the revelation of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. I had written to you that, um, Lord willing, and he is, that I wished to endeavor and start uh, sharing with you some of the pieces and parts of a book soon to be published by Whitaker House called The Invisible Enemy Versus the Invisible God. Uh, I began that writing almost exactly one year ago. And I know that because it was right after Easter. And I got through most of it, and like most things, I set it aside. And uh, they already had the publishing date and everything. That's the third book they had the publishing date and everything ready. Uh, but this one's going to come. Um, I talked to Bob yesterday, and I told him that I wanted to begin to release it uh, so that we also had a, a video teaching tape with it to let it go. I believe the time is now. I believe it's important for us. And so first and foremost, we're going to set some parameters and foundations. Some of it may be basic for you. For others, it may be eye-opening, but we'll build upon them because if we don't build upon the right foundation in the Word of God, we get to a place where we're wobbly. And uh, it's time for us to make sure we sort out what's the truth and not the truth of God and to build firmly upon the foundation of the Word of God as is our theme, always with fresh revelation. And I shared that the part one that I would share today is is, is this question, why is Christianity a practical faith? Why is it practical? So I'm going to deal with part of that, and we're going to establish some guidelines on the invisible 
spiritual world as compared to what some mindsets are confused and deluded with. Number one, Christianity is practical. Why? Very simple. Because it works. He works. I can assure you that it is the only faith, the only religion ever in all of the history. And this dates back to what is before the new covenant because Christ was introduced in the very beginning of Genesis. He was introduced when the word came out and said, let us create him in our image. And that word is Eloheinu. And in that instance, when it says let us, that's the plural of God. It wasn't Adonai, it was Eloheinu. Prior to that, it was Adonai. But when it got to man, it became Eloheinu. And we understand from that truth that because we have received the blood covenant, because we have transformed and moved through the blood, we have not only the remission of sins, but what? We're new creatures in Christ. All things are made new. Second Corinthians, let's just read it a moment. Let's set a good standard. Now, for those of you who've been in this house a while and have been under the teachings for new creation, you understand that this is not new. But it is new. It's new every day for us. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 17, I want to read for you. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Now, all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. And has given us this ministry of reconciliation, that is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed us, and listen to that a moment, to the word of reconciliation. Let's go back to Genesis, right? Genesis 1, 26. Let us create him in our image, man, both male and female. And so he said, let us create them in the image and likeness of man. So released to us there is a mystery that begins to come alive to us when we cross the page from what we call our Old Testament and the last page of Malachi to Matthew, the Gospels. And we get the revelation of Christ. In that revelation of Christ, we understand that man had been distorted from the image of God. And the image of God is what God has always intended man to reflect and to be here on earth. But he went further and he said the likeness. Now some who dabble in theology, they have combined the two and they're not the same. They're not the same word and they're not the same revelation. The image of God is what? It is in the three persons of God. That's why he said Eloheinu, let us create Man in our image. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. You have three persons inside. You have your soul, which is also your body, your mind as it's moving force. You have your flesh, and you have the Spirit of God. You are three persons inside. The flesh will die just as Christ died in the flesh. And the soul shall live forever, but the soul that sins shall die and die forever into darkness. And the soul that lives shall live into eternal light. And that's why as we worshiped, Paul got that revelation that it wasn't anymore about 
darkness and light because of being God's chosen people and coming in and out of the light now and then in the Old Testament. But it's about becoming the light. And that's when we go back to, you are a new creation. You've been recreated in the image of God as you were intended to be, but something was still lacking again, the likeness of God. And the likeness of God is all of his attributes, right? You have a child that's born, and that child has all of the capacity from you to be like you. They run DNA samples and they can tell that's your offspring and that you're the family of this family and that family and they can now connect it and there's a, a great science going on with, with, with genetics that is linking people to their past and in some attempts trying to tell them their destiny. But in God, we understand that we have all of his attributes when we are recreated new in Christ. And that's why I don't call those DNA. Some people say, I have the DNA of the Father. No, I don't have the DNA of the Father. Father's a spirit. I have the DDA of the Father, the divine design attributes of God. And those divine attributes, even as the song was singing today, the divine capacity, all of that capacity is how big? It is infinitesimal. It's abundant. It's beyond any measure. And when we can grasp the fact that in our faith of Christianity that we can reach beyond religion. We can reach beyond the teachings of man. We can reach beyond history. We can reach beyond the future tellers that want to tell us how we have to go because of where we came from and what our DNA was or is or our natural, national cultures are or our origins are. And then we understand that we go into another realm and the realm of light. Now, light is completely contrasted to dark, isn't it? Where there's dark, if there's a flicker of light, you can no longer say it's all darkness. There's a flicker of light. But you know when there's light, there cannot be a flicker of darkness? Huh? You can hide under a blanket and try to create your own darkness. But when there's light, there's no flicker of darkness. Just mention it to people who are in Alaska and for six months, they don't see dark. Their eyes are like this for a long time. And then when dark comes, their eyes are like this for a long time and they get under lamps and things so that they could have a little bit of light. But you are the light. We are the light. And so the likeness of God is restored to us and that's why Christianity is a practical faith. I'll get into theology in a little bit, but that's why it's a practical faith. Do you know why? Because as the light, you function as your Father in heaven in the name of Jesus Christ. That's why we don't believe in begging God in prayer. God says you're no longer beggars. You are children of the living God. Now, I don't know about you, but you know my children who are all grown, once in a while they would really hammer you for something. And they would stay on it. And as they got older, they let go of it, some of them. <laughs> but they would hammer you for something. And they would relent until they got what they wanted. And how many of you seen children that they just throw a fit and they get in the corner and they make your life miserable? And you don't really want to give them anything. You really just want to shut them up. And we need to look at our Father in heaven. He doesn't want us to squabble with him for the things that he wants to give us. That's why Christianity is practical. Ask what you shall in my name, says Jesus. And according to his will, you got it. Yeah. 
you have it now. We may not see it in the moment because God lives in a different realm. And the realm of our faith isn't one that's confined by time and space. Thank God it's not. Because if it was confined by time and space, guess what, guess, guess what could happen? Time keeps moving on, and that means your blessing got lost somewhere in the back. In some of those seconds and minutes and hours and days and months and years. But God is infinite. And the capacity of God in our faith is infinite. And that's why it tells us in the teacher in Hebrews 11.1, 1, he said, faith is the substance of things that is not seen. But yet, as we pray for them and have the hope, those things begin to manifest because they already are. And so we're bringing them to earth. And that's why Christ taught us how to pray. It wasn't that he wanted us to say the same ritual prayer and only that prayer all the time. My Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and bring heaven to earth. He wanted us to understand the revelation that as we pray to the Father in the name of the Son, that we literally can move heaven onto earth. Now, many people want to speak to mountains, and, and that's good. That's a declaration, and they want to move mountains. But the way you speak to a mountain is in that faith that moves it from heaven to earth. And what it is, is I call it like a laser strategy of declaration. You focus in on that thing, and you you zoom in on it, and you get a bullseye on it, and you call it what it is, and then you say in the name of the Lord, Jesus Christ, I ask you to move this mountain now in Jesus' name. Now, you may have to hit it many times, but God will do it. God will move it. That's the power we have in our practical faith. And you know another reason why we know Christianity is the true religion and Christ is real? Because of our testimonies and our experiences. Look what God did with me. Look what he did with you. And the good news is he's still doing it. He didn't quit. So many faiths and religions, there's an episode. And then in that episode, it's basically all over. And then they're just waiting for the end without a real understanding of what comes next. And so they, the religions come up with all kind of false delusions, and they're really not hopes. I don't know about you, but I thank God that I wasn't brought up or had to understand or accept a religion that said I was going to come back in the form of something else, depending on how I acted or didn't act. Maybe, maybe I would be a slug, maybe a turtle, maybe a cow. Um, boy, if you were really good, maybe, maybe you'd be a monkey. I don't know. I don't know. And so they come up with things. And then they come up with things and say, well, only so many are get to heaven, so you better work real hard and get into that. But by the way, you probably won't make it anyway. But go ahead and work hard at it because it's only a few that are going to get there. But our religion tells us, our faith tells us that when we believe in Jesus Christ, we receive eternal life. And eternal life is with him and it's forever. And we know that we see in the book of Revelation that there are millions and millions and practically billions and who knows how many people under the throne room. But yet we know narrow is the path that brings us to there. Why is it narrow? Because it's only through Jesus Christ. And that's why the Sikh religion, it may sound nice to people, the Sikh religion, but just because somebody believes in a God doesn't give them the same path to that God. And so we understand that to be made in the image and likeness of God is our path into a new covenant relation with him in Jesus Christ. 
we also understand that we are transformed into this new creature and that the work is progressive, it never stops. It tells us also in Corinthians that we are being transformed into his likeness, right? From glory unto glory. And we receive the glory of God with the Spirit of God, and that Spirit is forever doing work from us, and He's promising us that old things will pass away and all things will be made new. The challenge for us, for our faith to be practical, is not to be stuck in the old. It's to be in the next. And so my wife and I multiple times reminded ourselves in that long drive that we had prophesied and understood that we were moving into the place of next and all things were made new. And we began to rejoice the fact that God was shutting doors on things that we thought were material and ours. And we had originally bought this place during the recession for very little money and fixed it up. And we would look at each other when, well, we have a place to go to. And you know what the Lord said to us? We are at the place we're to go to. We are at the place we are to go to. And so we walked. And you know, you got to be careful what you preach because you have to practice it. You have to move to the place of next and old things have passed away and all things are new. But we have an excitement in us because we now know that we've released some more old so that there's room for some more new. And, and, and my prayer is for you the same way. It is liberating to let go of old things and to be able to move into the freshness of the nefesh of God, the breath of God. When God blows a sweet, fresh breath on us, it just brings a gusto into your soul. And that's our passion. That's what we should be seeking every day. You know, there was a time when I was a little confused about what David meant when it says he woke up in the morning and in the morning he would cry out, Lord, wake up my glory. Because David really wasn't born again, right? So what was he talking about? What he was talking about is he wanted to be able to see with the eyes of God and not see with the eyes of flesh. He wanted to be able to understand with the understanding and knowledge of God and not with the reason of man. And that's why I said in part of this series of the invisible enemy versus the invisible God that I want to take you behind the curtain of human re reason and understanding and into the place of God's truth. And revelation because a lot of what happens here on earth isn't reality we think it's reality but it's not reality now I know that you've come limping into the house of God like I did whether it was this house or another one I know that my life was a mess and it really could only end or had to change and God moved to change and in that sense we understand that God makes a blessing out of a mess when we turn our hearts over to Jesus and he does a progressive work. He calls us unto him and once we are unto him, then we are in a covenant with him. And I think that we don't do well to appreciate what a covenant means to God. God understands we're weak and we're frail and we have a hard time keeping our word. It's easy for us to keep the word with one another sometimes, but it's hard for us to keep the word with God sometimes. Many of us in our early days, when we start walking with God, we make oaths to God. I will do this, I will do that, I will do that, only to look back on it a little while later and say, yeah, I didn't do that and I didn't do that. But God is faithful. 
And he covers us with his grace because he wants you to make it to the finish line. He so loves you that he gave his only son. That's what makes our faith so much different. For us to really accept and understand and know that the Father has it, we look at the Son. And that's why it tells us in Hebrews 3 that He is the likeness. He's the brightness. The apogospa is the word. The off-flash of the Father Himself. And as we look at the Son, we see the Father in the heart of the Son. Now, the Lord could have done things a lot of ways. Redemption and justice and judgment and light and dark. And He could have done it a multitude of ways because He's God. And whatever He decides, that's the way it is. But he so loved us, he gave us his only son who came from heaven to earth as flesh. Because he became flesh, it says that he knows where our weaknesses are. He knows how we feel. He knows the temptations. He understands what the problems and the frictions of the world are and relationships are. He knows what it means to be persecuted, to be cast out, to be rejected, to be abused, to be forgotten. To be in a place where you look and you say, does anybody else see or hear or know what I've seen or hear? But Jesus said, I've come and I've taken it all for you. And so we have a very special religion. Now, in Islam, they will accept when you talk to them about Christ. Oh, yes, Christ was real. But they see him as a prophet and not a prophet who was sinless. And you can go to Hindus and you can go to Buddhists and talk to them about Christ and they'll light incense to them and just add them on as one more three million plus gods. As we talked before on the cover of Newsweek after the first election in 2016, you had a Buddhist who was worshiping Donald Trump, made him a god, put him on there, was lighting candles with dollar bills to him. Because that was where he was looking for his hope. Just one more God to do one more thing. And hopefully he would end up in the great karma in the sky somehow. Our faith is very practical. Our faith brought us to God. Not only did our faith bring us to God, but when that happened, the Lord said, yes, now let me set you free. And God continues to do the work. He heals us. He sets us free. He fills us. He gives us families. He gives us children. He gives us the things that our hearts missed and lost early on and fills them up with new things and new people and new relationships. The one thing that my wife and I adore so much about Touch Heaven is your family. And, and those of us who are connected, we're family. And even though uh, we may not be able to speak to each other or sup with each other every day, we're family. And family sticks with family. And family understands family. And guess what else family does? It tolerates family. So I'm so grateful that you tolerate me. I'm very grateful for that. That is a great blessing. And I find that it's very easy to tolerate people and to accept people in the love of the Lord. It makes it so wonderful and so beautiful. As if we needed a little cherry on the top as we struggled and worked, in the, especially the last day of packing and sorting and getting stuff loaded on a truck and dealing with some people and some issues and some stuff and things didn't go the way they were supposed to. How many of you know what a moving day is like? And it was complicated because it was in a high rise on the 14th floor and everything took a lot of time, a lot of steps, a lot of work, a lot of 
everything. So we just kept praying. I know she was praying harder than I was because she was praying that I would not blow my stack. It almost worked. It didn't quite work, but she got close. And right when we were all done, this Jamaican, 55 years old, Roy, he lingered on. He, I couldn't get him out of the place. We were all done. All the other guys were downstairs. We were all done. I was tired. I wanted to sit. My legs were hurting. We had things to do and to finish up, and he wouldn't leave. So finally, he comes out of, he said he was going to the bathroom. He comes out of the bathroom, and he's on his phone, and I'm getting a little agitated. I'm saying, hey, man. Hey, man, what you going to do, man? And mom, I want you to meet the nicest people I ever met in my life, mom. These people were leaving, mom. If they were not leaving, I'd go to church. I'm so sad they're leaving me, but I've never seen people like this, mom. And mom, I want you to be part of this witness because I know you've been praying, mom. I want the pastor to pray for me to know Jesus, mom. And I want you to hear it, mom. So there's Laura Lee, tears streaming down her eyes. His mom, a missionary, a deaconess in her church, Church of God. She gets on the phone and she can't hear too well. And she begins to bless me like some people do. You know, they, they just hold pastors at a different place. And I brought her down off of that pinnacle. I said, sweetheart, I'm, I'm just a servant like you, honey. I said, let's only, only lift up Jesus. Don't lift me up. Because I have to pay a price if you lift me up. Let's lift him up right now. And we prayed for Roy. And he shook. And the tears came down. And he said, all these years, all these years, I did not want to face God. But today, I know I have him. We hugged him. We kissed him. Off he went. And Laura Lee bawling like a baby. Lord, if this was what this was all about, we haven't paid enough. That's what she said. We haven't paid enough. And in that moment, I thought about, you know, Jamaica is a difficult place. There's voodoo, mysticism, witchcraft. A lot of things work in generational curses on people. And I knew right then that the prayers of that mother, even though she didn't see it at the time she did, she moved that mountain. And God, by the grace of God, and I say this to you humbly, with great, great appreciation for him, God overcame my weaknesses of the flesh that day because there were a few. And what he saw instead was a testimony of Jesus Christ. And the thing that moved him the most, this is what he said to his mom. He said, Mom, this woman, she never quit praying the whole day. I didn't say to Mom, that's because I was there. But you see how God used it? Do you see how God uses us? We have a practical faith. It works. And there's another law that we need to carry forth now as we consider the invisible enemy versus the invisible God. And in creation, he revealed a law of propagation to us 
that we do well to understand and grasp. Everything that he created, he said, let every kind bring forth its own kind. Now, people try to distort that. I don't know how many of you saw my last release that was talking about genders. Did any of you see that? Did you watch it to the end? No, not too many. Well, please watch it to the end. Some people get bored, but you want to watch it to the end because the next sequel of that is about ready to come, and it's almost God's timing was perfect. And what got released this week, do you know what got released this week? That a consortium of Chinese scientists with American scientists, for the sake of science, science, the new God, science, for the sake of science, they have successfully been able to inoculate monkey eggs with human sperm. And out of 160 some of these cells that were injected, three are still alive and are beyond 21 days, which means that it's possible that they could go to the next part of actually being able to cause this confused embryo to grow in the womb of a monkey. Remember how angry people got with me six, seven, eight months ago when I said if we keep going on this path, people will be having sex with a cow and saying it's okay? I wasn't even close to that. So, Huffington Post, you want to pick this up? Go with it. And what is it about? It's about trying to steal, trying to steal the very power of God as creator and trying to create something that is not of God. God said, let every kind bring forth its own kind. Monkeys are supposed to bring monkeys. Humans are supposed to bring humans. Cows bring cows. Snakes bring snakes. Chickens bring chickens. We're crossing a threshold. A threshold that is very similar to the spirit that was over the earth in the Tower of Babylon. Building to become like God. Getting up far enough to become God? What would that species be? Well, if you look at the end of that which I released a week and a half ago, it's called Otherkin, O-T-H-E-R-K-I-N. And it showed human beings that were disfiguring themselves to look like animals because they felt they were more that animal than they were human. And in that sense, they crossed every gender, transgender, whatever it was. It didn't matter anymore. But it was the last and newest gender, past 64 genders now, other kin. But science, the God science, is trying to take it one step further. Christianity works because Christianity is reliable. We have a God who's sovereign. We have a God who's omnipotent. It means he's all-powerful. To be all-powerful, it means there's nothing, nowhere, at any time that can have more power than God has in everything. He is all-powerful. And you add to that what? That he's omniscient, he's all-knowing. He knows the, the past, the present, and the future. But he goes a step further. He calls it omnipresent, ever-present. And he tells us even in Isaiah that because I'm all-knowing and I'm all-powerful, I want you to have comfort to know that if you're mine and I am with you, I am in your past. 
and I'm in your present, and I'm in your future. God with us. Not in the flesh. I don't want God with me in the flesh if I have to give up God with me in the spirit. Jesus said, I will go. And he told us in the Great Commission, he said, I have all authority given to me by my Father. And I commission you to go wherever you go to forgive sins and they shall be forgiven in my name. And to cast out demons. And to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And nothing shall hurt you. I want to be transparent completely with you. Lest you get confused. I really don't care. I want you to be honest. I want to be honest with you. I don't care if people get a vaccine or don't get a vaccine. I never cared about the flu. I didn't care about shingles. I got them the first time I went in the missionary, and I got everything they told me I had to have to go to the worst parts of the world. And ever since then, I haven't gotten one. I've never taken malaria medicine anymore because I didn't feel good with it. So I don't walk into fear of disease. I walk into faith, but I don't do it out of my own pride. I do it when I hear from the Lord and he says go. When he tells me to go, then I know that his promise and it says what Jesus said in the Great Commission, no deadly thing shall harm you. I believe that. I believe that. But I need to be in the will of God. Not doing things out of fear, but doing things out of the call of God. I have a daughter who's practically 45. She was one of the first ones now that we know of all the way back in September of 2019 that contracted COVID in Seattle on the West Coast. So it was here before November and January and that. She nearly died multiple times. It attacked her autoimmune system and she's still fighting her way back with long COVID. Struggling, fighting, coming through so many things that attacked her physically, emotionally, mentally, bright. Bright, beautiful twins, miracle twins, wonderful husband. I haven't seen those babies. I haven't held them in my hands for 20 months. That's too long. That's too long. I'm their grandpa. I'm their poppy. When they get on, they can't perform for us enough in Facebook. And that's a wonderful thing, but that's my flesh and blood. Those are my children. Those are my babies. Those are the quivers. In my heart is that the Lord promised. Those are the miracle babies that I declared and prayed in. Pulled from heaven. The twins. And so my daughter, we were having a wedding with our son. And she said, Dad, I, the doctors didn't know what I should do because my immune system's so bad. But they finally said that if I'm going to begin to go out, she has not been out. She has not been out for over a year and a half. If I'm going to go, they said I should get this vaccine and that so many people in the round they wish that I do and I prayed about it and that wasn't enough to push me over almost but not enough because I wanted to hear from God and about six weeks ago I remember it vividly I was in the twilight of that era coming out of the three o'clock watch I don't know it's 4 30 I don't know how long I was wore out and I was half asleep and half awake, and my mouth was probably still moving. And all of a sudden, the dream came very vivid, called a vivid vision, a vision dream. I know it was real. 
And there was a woman with blonde hair, and I could tell she was a senior citizen, and she had a needle, and she was ready to put it in my arm, this arm. And I flinched, and she smiled, and she said, it'll be all right. But then I heard another voice, a voice I know very well, the voice of the Holy Spirit. He said, son, it's okay. I woke up. I waited for my wife to wake up. I said, honey, I had this vision. It was real. I was getting this shot. And the Lord said, it's okay. And then all of a sudden, an assignment comes to me. An assignment to head over to Israel in a few months and to do a documentary, a Christian documentary. The film crew and everything donated. And the Holy Spirit says, you need to go. I've called you for this, and you know what I'm going to have you do. Well, guess what? You don't get into Israel without, an, without a vaccine. 14 days, you will stay in a hotel that you pay for. I don't have 14 days, beloved. I don't have a month to go to Israel. So I said, Lord, I'm going to hold my babies. And then he said, remember my great commission. No deadly thing shall hurt you. I said, I'm good. <laughs> Here's how good God is. I sign up, I go to Dillard's. I like to go to Dillard's out at Eastwood because you get the shirts for $1 and then $2 when, when the times are right. $2 shirt, but you got the $1 shirts. Of course, Gene, you buy the $500 shirts, but out at Dillard's, $400 shirts. Yeah, okay. I go, I sit down. I come through, and I know Genevieve is there, and she's, Pastor Frank, come here, you sit at this chair. Fifteen people giving shots. It's like an assembly line. They got it down. I sit in the chair, and I look at this woman, and she looks at me, and we're staring at each other. She says, I've seen you somewhere before. I said, yes, you have. But if I told you where, you wouldn't believe it. It was the woman with the blonde hair that was the senior that I saw in my vision. So I start talking to Genevieve who's over there but the health department and this and that and my sleeves rolled up and so I turn to the lady I say okay let's get this over with already she said sir I already gave you the shot you didn't flinch <laughs> you didn't flinch so I broke a few rolls they told me to go sit over here for 15 minutes I waited for the first person that got up one minute later and I went out with them because I already knew nothing was going to happen they said, I had COVID in Thanksgiving. Nothing happened. I don't know if I had it or not. They probably lied. I think Bing's right. They just lied. They keep telling you stuff just to get their numbers up. But I felt okay. And I got the shot and I felt okay. But I know this much. I'm going to be holding those babies in my arms in about a week and a half. And I'm going to kiss on their necks. And I'm going to love them. And I'm going to pray for them. And I'm, I'm going to impart the, the spirit of their grandpa, the father, into their hearts and their love. And and you know what? I told my wife, I'd drink poison for my children if I had to. And I know the Father did for me. My cup, my Lord, this cup is too much for me. So you know what? No judgment in this house. No judgment online. You do as the Lord leads you to do. And, and let's not put judgment on each other. Do it or don't do it. I don't care. I don't care. Am I going to go out and get a bunch more vaccine? No. <laughs> Only if he tells me I have to, but I've been doing pretty good without him for a long time. But now I know I can go do what God has called me to do in Africa and there.
You know, I haven't visited our churches in Africa for how many years? Three years? Four years? Too long. Those are our children. Those are our people. I have Messianic churches that are my friends and my brothers that I've grown up with in Israel that are waiting for me to come. I have a national network documentary that God has put in my hands to do, and I know what I'm supposed to do with it to prepare the way. So you know what, beloved? We can't let things get in our way because we have a practical religion. No thing shall come upon you. No harm shall come upon you if you're in the commission of God in Jesus Christ. Amen. So, I didn't get everywhere I wanted to go. I never do. This I want to tell you. God is sovereign. No matter what anybody tells you, God is sovereign. And yes, God takes control. But we can allow ourselves to spin out of the control of God. Don't blame God for the things that we do or that the world imposes upon us, and there is evil. But there's one way that we find the true path, and that's in Him. And sometimes we need to repent of the things that we did or didn't do. And some things just come upon us and it wasn't your fault. It had nothing to do with you at all, but you still need to give it to God. Finally this, I'm going to tell you point blank. I do believe that the way this last presidential election turned out wasn't the perfect will of God. But I also believe, and I'm going to say it bluntly, that Donald Trump stepped out of the will of God and into flesh. And because he did, God couldn't bless it. It doesn't mean it's over with. But you know what? We need to call things as they are because when I step out of the flesh of God, there's consequences. When I step into the flesh and step out of the Spirit of God, there's consequences. God cannot bless arrogance and pride. If he did, then where's judgment? Where's justice? Where's the world? And so I too stand in the gap and say, you know what? I'll share in that responsibility. But by the grace of God, we run back to Him. And we believe God to overpower those things that are not only being unleashed upon this nation, but upon this earth. One thing I do know, that no existing president or past president or future president is my Savior and Redeemer. There's only one. He's Jesus Christ. And that's who it is. And I do know that God is on the side of life. I do know that God sheds a tear for every aborted child. I know he has not given up on that. And I do know God is in blessing Israel. And I know Christ is returning the Messiah to Israel. And I do know that God is not in this H.R. 5 bill that is ushering in any kind of genderization that people want to say. They don't say it like that in words, but trust me, that's the next step. So we know the things of God that are true. But if we think we need to rely upon a political party or a person, or that that person is our enemy either way, we don't understand the invisible enemy versus the invisible God. We don't war against the flesh and blood. We war against principalities and powers. And that's part of the other foundation of truth that we need to understand and you know this finally with an exclamation point. Somebody I love and know very dearly 
admitted to me they couldn't quite get to that point I was preaching. And I understand that. We don't get to choose whom we love. We don't get to choose whom we love. Because if God would allow us to determine whom we're supposed to love with the love of Christ, if we were allowed to alter that commandment, love one another even as you love each yourself, then that means God could alter the commandment with you and I. I don't know about you, but I sure don't want to fall out of the love and grace of God. I need him so badly. I need to know that he loves me in my worst moments, in my most desperate moments. I need to know that his love will never fall short, never forsake me, never leave me, that he will hold me in his arms forever and forevermore, even when I come to him like a baby with soiled pants. Huh? He still picks up that baby. And what he smells is the sweet aroma of a child of God. I thank God for that. So, beloved, one thing we would do well with each other as we agree not to be judgmental is to remind each other to have the love of Christ for everybody. It's hard sometimes when we don't agree with people, when we think that they're the ones that are perpetrating things that don't quite go with what we want to accept and believe in our faith. It's hard to say, I love you anyway. But you know what? God still loves them. God overcomes and still loves them. And if we need some more capacity to love difficult people at difficult times, then we need to ask him for that. And that's why Christianity is so practical. We don't choose whom we love. We can love. We must love with the love of Christ. Amen. So, Father, thank you, Lord, that we've embarked on a journey. Lord, I help you to put some salve over those who still get agitated and irritated with me when I speak some truths. Father, let them know how much I love them and let them know how much you love them. Let us, Father, be those who are pinpoint sharp about the Word of God, that know the time we live in and know what to do with it, and that we don't try to resurrect past times, but that we look forward to what can we do right and better this time. Father, we pray for all of our leaders in place that they are. I pray for our president. I pray for our vice president. I pray for the Speaker of the House. I pray for the Speaker of the Senate. I pray, Father, for the Supreme Court. I pray for the justices. I pray for the governors in all their places. Father, I pray for all those you've put in authority over us, Lord. And I pray, Father, that those who must, that, Father, you will move in their hearts and in their spirits and call them out of darkness into light. And that they will be more challenged like a magnet by our love than by our hypocrisy or by judgment. Let us be those, Father, who are soul catchers in love. And thank you, Lord that you take us just like we are and you continue to work in us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, that you give us a faith that works, that's real, that has power, and that is available for everyone, whomsoever shall call upon your name. We thank you for it, Lord. Now be blessed, O Lord. Father, you be glorified. Jesus, we thank you that by your name we're sanctified. And Holy Spirit, Dwell in us with greater power in all ways and always. 
In Jesus' name, amen.